This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to be Nation. Welcome back to PTBN's NBA Team Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Andrew Reich. I'm joined by Adam Murray. Adam, we've been doing this weekly grind a little bit for the last couple of months. We, we keep waiting for the material to dry up, and it, you know the well has been fa- fairly wet in the in the middle of this regular season. You know, we always have something. It's funny because like previous years, we like okay, we got to do something. We got to go on. Yeah, it's the that's why they call January the doldrums of the NBA regular season when people are bored and teams go on losing streaks and players go into slumps because they get bored. And previously it would be, well, who's going to make a deal and everything would be done in what, one or two days at the end. Now it was, well, we need to wait for Harden to log jam out. Okay, good. We got that. Now we need Toronto to finally give up. Okay, good. They did. So all these things kept coming in at a slow pace, which is good for us because as far as the season goes, we could talk about, well, Team X is doing good. Player Y is doing good. But nothing's going to change. Like we mentioned, the West is always going to be close till the final week. And the East mm-hmm. is sort of shaking out to who they are, much like last year. So, like, what what are we going to talk about? What are we going to talk about? But thankfully, there has been stuff. Yeah. And... Do you think it has to do with the absolutely incredible individual performances? We have just had our we're, – we're taping this on a Sunday. We just had our sixth – Adam, sixth, 60-plus point game this season. Can't count overtime. It was, yeah, but still, it was Steph Curry. So, but in a loss, this is also, I don't remember too many times we had 60-plus points in in losses, but we've actually had two. Curry was one, we just said, uh, in Atlanta. And then the other one wasn't an overtime game. It was Carl Towns against the Hornets, you know? And, and, but it's just been absolutely insanity. We, it's been such a talking point about the explosion of offense in the NBA over the last five or six years. So I don't want to sit here and bang that horse, but you know, we, the, the, the scoring went up in 2019 and I don't remember this many 60 plus 50 plus point games. So what what do you think it is? Just the way it goes. Now you, all they do is shoot threes. There's no, the mid range game has even gotten less. Now it's just run down and chuck up a three as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, offenses are getting bailed out every which way. Like you're you, basically, it's much, it's become almost like football now where defensive backs really have no chance. Like if you even look at the receiver, you'll get called for pass interference. This, you're waiting it, for the flag, right? And there's yeah, no, and, I mean, the, the equivalent of a flag for a receiver is, is free throws. So, and, and if you, it's not shocking, like Luka Doncic had a 45 point game recently. Well, he had 18 free throws. I mean, yeah, you're going to if you get a ton of free throws, you're going to, you know, you're going to do it. And then you mentioned the threes, which is just the normal. That's the NBA culture. Now, Steph Curry took 23 threes in that game. 23. That's why like, college teams don't take 23 threes. So they're not even trying. It's just I'm going to chuck up 23. Sh- OK, so you needed the extra overtime time and all you're doing is just chucking up threes. What are what else were you doing? So that's why we have the offensive explosion. Well, we we changed the rule where you can't have the hardened thing where you just sort of barrel into the 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 defender and then take a step back and then do a jump shot and get a call. Like they need to. I think they, you know, the lean in is kind of gone. So they have done some things to try to help out with not bailing out offensive talent and giving defense a little bit of latitude. But I think the strategy 
is so good. We literally have two rookies, Victor Wembanyama and Chet Holmgren. They can make threes. They are top three in the league in blocked shots. Like, they're unicorns. They're freaks. The thing is now, Adam, there's unicorns on every team, it feels like. You know, there's a Kevin Durant type. Not a Kevin Durant. Kevin well, Durant's still a great player. But there's a Kevin Durant type on every single team now. It seems just like. look at the Pacers. They don't play defense, so they're content every game saying, we're gonna. The score is gonna be 140 to 135. That was one of the teams I gave up 60. That was to Devin Booker, but they yeah. won that game. Our job is to. Our job is to get that 140, but we're gonna give up 135 regardless. So mm-hmm. it's it is what it is. So what it's, else? You got? It, it's been fun though. Unfortunately, one of the players that got that high high mark was um was the 70 points by Joel Embiid. In the Warrior game a few days ago, he took a weird tumble uh, with Jonathan Kaminga, or he, he just maybe landed wrong and Kaminga just happened to be around. He It turns out he has a, uh, a slightly torn meniscus and something wrong with, I don't remember the exact detail of it, something, something to do with the actual like disc or the bowl of the knee where it might be out of place. So he's trying to contemplate whether to do rehab, which probably would take a month or surgery, which would probably put him out for the rest of the regular season, but he might sneak back in for the playoffs. So the thing that's interesting, there's two parts of this that are important. Number, the most important one to me is that, like, can Philly survive this in the regular season and still have a good record? And will Embiid be at full health for the playoffs, which is what everybody wants to see? That's number one. But the second one I want to ask is sort of a follow-up to what you asked me, maybe about two episodes ago, is that, well, you know, Embiid's already done DMPs. But they have this very, very strict minimum incentive number of games played in order to be a contender for awards and um, all NBA. And it's 65 games. Joel Embiid's not going to make that, Adam. That means that he's knocked out of the MVP race and he was by far the front runner. So it's sort of a two parter here. Like uh, what what do you think is going to have the bigger impact there? Not him not being in the MVP race or him being healthy for the playoffs? Well, him being healthy for the playoffs is way more important, number mm-hmm. one. Number two, this injury, if he was out, let's just say a month. So a month, there's 15 games, maybe? Yeah, he would probably be out for the rest of February. He'd be back in early March. So probably so about we'll, 10, 10, to, 10 to 20 games. So, okay. He would have, that. this injury alone would have been one of those, well, this takes him out of awards, Period, regardless to the rest beforehand. But I forget who said it. But they made reference to that that this was a bargain for number. This just wasn't picked out of thin air. This is what they agreed upon. So NBA probably, the league probably said 70. And then the Players Association probably said 60. And they had to sort of, they probably met at 65. But this was not an arbitrary number. No, and, and the thing is too, like we don't have to go into the dirty details about how they can how they iron out the the actual numbers in the CBA, but there's a whole lot of back and forth and compromising that goes involved in this. And like for example, the one and done rule stayed, and because the players wanted it, well, this is probably the compromise. Well, you got to play more games and less DNPs, and you get fined heavily if you uh, if you don't ha- if your team doesn't have a good excuse for you sitting. We just saw that. I think we're going to see that with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, where they basically dipped out right before a nationally televised game against the Celtics. The Lakers won the game anyway, but you know the league's not happy about that. But anyways, 
you know, I the 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 Sixers are hovering around third between third and fifth in the East. They're right there with the Knicks, who have made a surge, and then um, uh, who's the other one? Kind of like right in that area, Cleveland. Cleveland has sort of made a push. I think they'll be okay. Uh, I do worry about Paul Reed being a starting center. That's going to be a concern. But I think in the draft. Mobamba, but in the trade deadline, which is coming up too, we can talk about that a little bit later. They can, I think they can get somebody. I think that like a Gogo Batazzi or somebody like that, I think they can get them. They could, but what do they have left, really? Well, because they, of, because of the fact that they did get some assets in return for Harden, and but from the Clippers, I think they could try to flip it. Um, and they are in a win now position, so um. It's it's going to be tough. I mean, Maxi just got voted as an All Star. Then he goes off for fifty. Uh, but they beat. But the, the team they beat was, in my opinion, a bad Utah Jazz team. Uh, but against the good teams, that's going to be a struggle for them. For the MVP race, it's it makes a little more interest because if Embiid hit the incentive, I think it would have been a shoe and he would have won. Now. It's interesting. I could see Jokic winning it. I could see Shea Gilgis Alexander winning it. I could see Giannis winning it. And there's probably Luka Doncic coming around the corner, who you know, who's going to probably lead the league in scoring at this point. It's a two-horse race. Okay, so you want to handicap it even more than that. It's Jokic and SGA. You don't That's think pretty... Luka could win it? No. Luka and Giannis are the next tier below, and then everyone else, there's no chance. They they all need to play. So basically, Jokic is still putting up Jokic numbers. Yeah. SGA is having crazy and numbers. The, and, you know, and the PER agrees with you because PER is actually a really good indicator of the MVP race. And behind Embiid, who's number one, it's uh, Jokic and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Yeah, so that's why it's a two-horse two horse race. So yeah. do you want to just go over, since we're already at this midway point, the rest of the, the awards real quick? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I think Tyrese Maxey, who we did discuss a little bit, he is an absolute solid, easy win for the, uh, for most improved. I'll just knock that one out. MIP. Yes. That's there are other people that have had really good improvements upon their, their season. People like, uh, give me a minute here. Shen Goon, Scotty Barnes, Shen Goon and Kobe White, where probably the silver and bronze medal. Kobe kind of saved the Bulls. The Bulls were about to fire everyone. And yes, Zach Levine basically shut it down. Uh, and when we get to the trade portion of this episode in a little bit, we could probably discuss some conspiracy theories. Because <laughs> you know I'm a fan of conspiracy theories. And I think Zach Levine, there's a few. But Kobe White coming along really, really bailed out the Bulls. Like, they're not good, but they might make the play-in, is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, what Rookie for the year, did did Wembayana pass Holmgren, or? It's close. It's very close. Like, if you look at those odds, it kind of flips every now and then, where Wembayana is, like, the odds-on favorite, or they're basically even. Uh, I would, I don't think they're going to, like, get into the conversation, or he is going to get into the conversation, but Brandon Miller for Charlotte had a good month of January. He had a good month, but... Very bad. But that's a god awful team, it. and yeah, right. And uh, and then the other ones like Jamie Hawkes. He has some injuries, but he's a good player. Um, and who who else am I forgetting? The sort of having a good rookie year. There's a couple of them that are showing up. But for Weminyam and Chet, it's very close. 
I would probably say Webanyama's going to win it. He's probably going to break away with it it's unless close. he. It's very very unless close. they shut him down. I would um, be shocked if we had an Elton Brand Steve Francis situation where they just tie. It wouldn't shock me at all. That's how close it might be. The d- defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple other people you could think about. What about OG Ananobi, who's really? He tra- is probably the only one who could challenge Gobert at this point. I think. What about Anthony Davis? No. No. Um, I mean, there's a couple other. I mean, here's the thing about the Wolves. The most val- they're the best defense in the league, but the most valuable defensive player they probably have, other than Gobert, is Jalen McDaniels. McDaniels ain't gonna win that award. And for the Thunder, they have also a good defense. I don't think Chet Holm. Uh, Chet Holmgren has been terrific. Okay, I don't think he's gonna win Defensive Player of the Year in his first. And then the really what took it just a bizarre turn of. Because uh, it was supposed to be Quickly's award, he was supposed to run away with it as six well, man of the he's year. Not a six anymore. He's starting. Yeah. So now, year. six man is kind of a little bit more open. There's only, I'd say, two or three people who are. It's, are... it's funny, Adam. I was thinking about it, looking at the candidates over the last few months. There's a lot of good six men in the league. No. Oh, I believe so. I think there's a lot. Of, well, what I'm saying is, there's a lot of guys who are very productive off the bench. That's what I mean by that. So then I would say to, I would say it would be between Malik Monk and Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah, which is funny. Like Tim Hardaway Jr. Like, really? Mm-hmm. Like he's averaging him? 18 points. a game. Yeah. And then Clarkson and and Matherine, I would say, are the and Matherin about ones. Bogdan Bogdanovich for the for the Hawks has been very good. But um, other than that, you're not Austin. Nobody Reeves. is there, but he's not. Austin Reeves, I, I bet, isn't even registering on like the, the betting sites. It's hard, you know. I know that the Lakers kind of went through this rut. I, you know, I know they've had all that speculation involving, oh, is LeBron putting himself on the trade block? What, um, all this stuff. But Reeves has played well when they beat the Celtics on the road, and then they beat the Knicks on the road on national television. So, let's see uh, going into this trade deadline, and then after it, because that was the infamous one last year where the Lakers really turned their t- season around because they made some additions. Um, I don't think they're in a in a in a position to do that this year, but I want to see if they make some marked improvements over their team because they were struggling up to that point when they won those two road games. The only other awards, I mean, Clutch Player of the Year, I think is silly. The Jerry West Award, I I, I don't understand that. I guess Damian Lillard, <laughs> Shea yeah, Gilgis Alexander, probably the only. I mean, I don't know, man. Like I've never really, I don't really have a criteria for that. And then for Coach of the Year, I'd probably say either Chris Finch or Mark Daniel or Tyron yeah. Lou. No, it'll be Daniel. But um, okay, that was just it. Um, yeah, but so we, I don't think the, I don't think the awards have been handicapped yet. I just think because I was bringing up MB's absence, uh, knocking him out in the MVP race. I think the MVP race is still going to be fair. Is going to be why I figured more let's, interesting. It's a perfectly good time to revisit, see how we're how mm-hmm. we're doing, and uh, why I not? Think, I think it's been pretty steady over the last two months. Like the people that we mentioned as candidates, they've kind of been the same. I think it's just that a lot of these players are just distancing themselves. You just see these players like Rudy Gobert. I mean, without Rudy Gobert, what is the Wolves? I'm being serious. Like, I know that he's not like a 20 and 20 rebounding type of guy, but it's like he is the harbinger of that defense. And they are good. They are good when they play defense. I, but they're just I, knuckleheads. They are. But um, I still wonder. Bet- I'm still not sure between them and Oklahoma City, which one's going to show up in April and May. That's what I'm not sure about. 
I, I think that's a great unknown, but they're going to both be in a really good position to be successful because I'm pretty I, – I don't know. Do, do you think they're going to both stay one and two in the West, or do you think someone's going to try to too jump? Close to, too close like, to – too early to tell. So you think the Clippers and the Nuggets might be able to make a jump? It's too early to tell. We need to see – not that I'm expecting anything to come from the deadline because all the names that were – you know, Levine, Levine – Nobody really wants him for his price point. Yeah, so Levine shut himself down, basically. He talked to Clutch, his management for Clutch Sports, <clears throat> Rich Ball, and basically said, I have an ankle injury, and I'm going to elect to get surgery. You know, and so the only thing that was interesting about the language of the press release is that it doesn't sound like the Bulls wanted him to get surgery. It sounded like Levine wanted to get surgery. Which basically yeah, everybody's shut in the same down. Yeah, it was. It was like everybody, we had to make sure everybody's on the same page and everybody's good. And not again. It's because the Bulls were like, well, yeah, we need him on the court to to win. It's like, well, if Lonzo's out, why don't I just go out? You're probably, DeMar is going to be gone next year anyways. Yeah, because he's so on his last year of his deal. I was actually going to think about that with the trade thing. So everybody's been talking about Levine. He is expensive. You're right. You know, $40 million plus going in all the way until a player option in 2026, which, which goes to 49 million. But DeRozan, you could probably flip for something right now if you really want to pull it off. I know there's a lot of teams that have asked for Alex Caruso because they think from a defensive perspective, he could be a missing piece glue guy who are much more valuable in the league now than they used to be. And he's also only getting like 10 million a year for the next two years. But do you think that the Bulls will actually pull the trigger on that? Do you think they're in that? No, because uh, Caruso's too valuable to be unloaded at this point. But that's what I'm saying. Do you think they would actually start doing unloading and say, okay, Kobe White and Vucevic's deal that there are, uh, which is kind of steady and he's a good productive player. We're just going to build it around them, try to get some draft picks and blah, blah, blah. But they don't have, nobody has draft picks left. Mm -hmm. It seems everybody has given them to one of four we teams. just saw Oklahoma City give away picks to get off of uh, uh what's his face uh Victor Oladipo right who did he get traded to Oladipo was already on Houston and Houston and Memphis made a deal oh you're right you're right 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 I'm sorry it was Houston who did that they basically flipped him for Steven Adams so it's Memphis getting under the second tax mm -hmm. because it's... they weren't a good enough team <laughs> obviously it, it's Adams who hasn't played for over it'll be almost two years or you know a year and a half when he comes back mm -hmm. so who knows if he has anything that'll probably and do it for the contract maneuvering for memphis i don't think they're gonna unload too many people they're they're not but adam's only made 12 million or so he wasn't expensive we're already seeing these auditions where it's like, oh, yeah, this player is still healthy. Danilo Gallinari with the Wizards, Luke Kennard with the Memphis Grizzlies. They played him at point guard. Like what? D'Angelo Russell with the Lakers. All of a sudden, he's getting a lot of minutes. This is Gallinari's clearly that. on Detroit now. OK, I'm 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 feeling it today. OK, <laughs> but anyways, they're, these guys are playing. They're playing a lot of these guys to try to show them, hey. We have some value with these players, but I don't know if anybody's going to buy it. Yeah, that's a, just the names being – there's no names being tossed around other than Murray, Levine Levine, and Bruce Brown, who everyone – well, Toronto, well, Toronto, we want all this for him. He's not worth all that. We're not going to give two first-round picks for a player who could be a rental if we don't want him. No, but 20... the size of contracts, you could still try to make something work if you like if, if some team gets really fanciful with it. I can see Ben Simmons getting moved. 
that's a possibility. No, no Hayward could get moved very easily. Hayward's not going to get moved because they know he's just going to be bought out at the end. I was thinking for Cleveland, Karis LeVert, they would think about it, but I think they've sort of righted the ship and they like their No, they just signed him. Rotation. Why would they? They're not going to dump him when Cleveland, they spent the whole first half of the season dealing with injuries. I think it's because they probably believe that they have enough guys like Sam Merrill, who has actually been a really good shooter for them, and that maybe Lavert is expendable as a backup point guard. That was sort of my thinking. Buddy Heal's always on the trade block, but we'll never know if he's actually going to get moved. Um, I don't think the Bucks and the Celtics and even the Sixers, I know everybody was talking forever about Tobias Harris. Now you can't get rid of him because of Embiid's injury. So this is a situation where the top contenders in the East, I don't see him making moves. I could see those contenders in the West trying to make moves. I know there's a lot of rumors involving Golden State. Uh, it sounds like Golden State's going to stay pat, though. They're just going to keep Chris Paul. I would and, not be shocked if Klay Thompson is traded. I would not uh, be shocked. I, I think they're just going to... Because everything would have to be... If you trade Thompson, that's just admitting defeat because... What are you really going to get back for him since Clay's a free agent? What are you agent? getting back if you keep him? You're four games or five games under 500. But you're, you you're still going to fight to everything. But you're going to fight for a playing game. Mm-hmm. If if you trade Clay Thompson, Wiggins isn't really performing this year, as and, we know. Well, Kaminga's really played well. Kaminga's played point. well, but everyone's like, well, why aren't you going to get rid of him? Because you you just seem to be playing him out of spite now. He doesn't fit into what you've been doing begrudgingly. So if you trade Thompson, you're admitting the season's over. So what's the point of Steph playing? And what's the point that they should just shut everybody down? Uh, what about our favorite um, giveaway uh, candidate, Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz? I know that there were some rumors when they were struggling early on in the season. Oh, marketing might be on the market, but I don't see that. I can see Colin, Tom- Colin Sexton being uh, moved around now. Markkinen's on the market if somebody wants to pay a fortune for him. That's what I'm saying. Way. No one's going to pay a fortune for Markkinen. Yeah, nobody's going to pay a fortune for him. Colin Sexton is on the market. Clarkson is playing himself, and they, they want to keep him again. Olenek could get moved very easily. He's got a partial. I mean, he he um he's only got 12 million. He's unrestricted after this. That one's easy. Taylor Horton Tucker's easy. I don't even know if he's in the rotation right now. And then you got those teams that are just absolute tankathons. Uh, the Spurs. Speaking just because quickly, quickly yep. with Utah, what are they doing with Kessler? He was everyone. Oh, he's you know, first or second team all last Collins year. John Collins happened. Is what happened. He's their starting power forward. But you know? he's getting Kessler's getting like eighteen minutes a game now, and it's like he's he's not even in the rotation. He was supposed to be like the cornerstone and untouchable last year, and it's just weird how I can't see why he's fallen off or why he's being relegated to the bench. But it's just very strange. And uh, San Antonio big, and those bigs are important. I just want to say, like I was watching the Knicks. Precious Chu has been really good for them. You know, you got to have these bigs that when you go down the stretch. San Antonio has no one of value. Nobody wants anything from them. I think they could get something out of Collins for for in exchange for Collins. Keldon Johnson, maybe, but I think they like him. I don't understand why they've been putting him on the bench with Vassell starting. It's really because they were doing it the other way around with Keldon starting and Vassell on the bench. It's just whatever. The Blazers, no. I mean, it's Brogdon. Brogdon, maybe, but I know they won at least multiple, like at least two first rounders. Is the yeah, never nobody wants to pay that. The Kings are not going to trade 
Malik Monk because he's the expiring. I'm only looking at the contracts. They they um, went in for for Siakam. The Siakam said no, so they're just like, well, we'll just sort of stick with what we have. The There's Suns no aren't really in a position because they have, have no one left. Well, they have minimums. All their people past Beal and Nurkic are minimums. The only one you could even think about moving is Grayson Allen, and Grayson Allen I think is actually good for their team. I wouldn't trade him. The Thunder are in no position to have. They have people they can move that they don't have in the rotation, like Pokashevsky and Usman Jang and Davis Bertan's crappy contract. But they're not going to move those people. I think they like their rotation, you know. And then for the Pels, the only thing that could really screw it all up is if they just dump Zion Williamson, and I don't see that happening. They're they're eight. They're seven games over five hundred. They're tied with Phoenix. I I think they're just going to stand pat with their roster. And if they tr- even think about moving Trey Murphy the third, I might jump out of a window because that's a valuable player. I would not want him to go. It just seems all the sellers have their prices. The Lakers in- want something. Uh, they're just trying to find the seller, like you just said. And that was the LeBron thing. LeBron thing is not, I want to trade. I think the LeBron thing is, I need better pieces around me. The pieces you got, whom we all loved at the beginning of the year, didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. The the Levine thing, the timing of the Levine thing is weird. I wonder if they just realized and Rich Paul realized via by proxy with LeBron. OK, the Lakers don't have enough capital to make a deal happen or the draft picks to make a deal happen to get Levine. So Levine is basically going to tank his stock so that he can get traded in the offseason. I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I would go with the opinion of they all realize he has no market around. He he doesn't want to be there. Well, the timing was bad. I mean, he was a victim of not a victim, but he was like (laughs) Ewing theory happened to him where a team does better without you. And I don't think that's something that you don't expect all the time. I don't think Zach Levine's management went into this thinking, oh, yeah. When Levine takes time off, uh, he's going to show how bad they are without him. I, it kind of kind of went the opposite direction. It sort of backfired. Yeah, it's just, okay, my client wants to be moved. He, he's looking for – he's kind of sick of this situation. Well, let's see what's out there. There's really nobody who wants him. Chicago is probably like, well, we want you back in the rotation because we think we can make a, a play and push with you. And he's like, is it really worth it? And they're like, Chicago – because yeah. he wants a promise that they're gonna they're gonna keep him and that he, he's gonna be a fixture of the offense. Yeah, that's, what gonna... with, that's what happened with Kyrie Irving. That Kyrie Irving goes to Dallas and they're like, yeah, it might not work. It might be a chemistry weird. It might be a weird chemistry thing uh, to try to scratch together in the second half of the season. We might not even be a good team, but we'll resign you, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and the next year we'll build it around you and the other guy. And I think that's what Levine wants. Levine wants a promise, and I bet you that's what Clay Thompson wants. They want a promise of like, wherever I go, if I resign with you or if I stay with you, you're going to build this team around me or I'm going to be the anchor of it. And no team wanted to do it. That's what it sounds like to me. A team that also has some weird assets, even though they had a huge deal that I just alluded to last year. Um, I think the Mavericks could make another move. You could throw the in Max want to make a move because Rashawn Holmes, Grant Williams sign and trade did not work out. Grant Williams has not been. Well, what I'm saying, what I'm saying, Adam, is that they have the balance of salaries to make it work off of their depth. Like they can actually move people around. They can have a pick. few people. They don't have a ton of wiggle room. 
it depends on if they really want to split with Cleaver. I know that I know that Luca likes him, and that they think that their plus minus works better because he's a good spot shooter. But and then you got the Holmes contract, and with you know the only problem with Holmes is that he has a player option next year, so it's a poison pill. So you can you don't know if you I don't know if teams really want to do that. Josh Green's already bought into new money. That's another poison pill. It's it's going to have to take a draft pick in order for Dallas to convince another team to give them a player in exchange for some other contracts. But I think they could pull one off if they really feel antsy. Like, I think Luca really wants I mean, breaking news. Superstars want to win, Adam. But I think Luca really wants to win. I, I don't think he wants to keep waiting. And Irving's been out with the thumb injury. I don't know how long he's going to be out. I think they're just on the struggle bus and they're just trying to find a way to get off of it. Do you think a deal could do it? I, I don't know because the again the sellers have very high prices. Will things come down at the end of the season? And on the, the deadline. And on the Eastern Conference side, I think Orlando could make a move or two. You Orlando, got Isaac, you got Folks, you got Gary Harris. Like, there's a couple things they could do. Orlando probably should get rid of some log jams, get a nice veteran presence in there. Look at Joe Ingles. Yeah. Um and what are like crazy stat because they they're a good team, um, but they were like I think they were six and ten or five and eleven in the month of January. They really struggled. I know Paulo Bencaro is an all star. Top Ron four Fogger's pick for you, home top court. Four C, top four. What C. you said. <laughs> but I think they could. I think they could do some things to 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 move people around. I think there are some untouchables. I think Jalen Suggs isn't getting moved. I think Mo Wagner's not getting moved. I think Anthony Black is not getting moved. And then Franz and Boncaro, but after Wendell Carter, John Isaac, even Cole Anthony, I could see them all getting flipped for a big name if they really want to. If they really want to go for it, the Knicks already did theirs, so they. I, I think they're kind of out of the game. <laughs> Miami, I don't think so. Well, they they had to they had to basically give. They, I, I mean, they, I don't want to say they basically were given Terry Rozier, but. You know, they had to give up a first round pick in the later years in order to make it happen. So I don't see Miami being in the mix either. And then Indiana got Siakam. Yeah. And Brooklyn seems content to ride with what they have. You have Atlanta, who everyone's available, but nobody's knocking down their doors for. For because Sadiq they won Bay multiple, they won multiple firsts in exchange for Murray. Because that's what they gave up to get Murray. They yeah, and everyone everyone doesn't want to pay pay that price so that's kind of now if it's trey young now we're cooking with gasoline now we're talking about like uh, like the bl- the nuclear option but and i don't think we already had this discourse about trey okay on a previous episode i don't think trey young's a bad player i know some people think he's an all-star this year i do not think so i don't think trey young the stats are but it's always what is a team doing around him the team hasn't done anything Mm-hmm. And that's every year. He still might make it anyway because it's back to East versus West. And we already have two that got knocked out uh, due to injury, Joel Embiid and Julius Randle. So there's a good chance he might make it anyway. So he's going to make it as a front court player, as a back no, court player you, when two front courts go out? I don't think – well, it's the commissioner's decision, right? They could just go with a guard. I think they – if the big men go out, they replace them with another big man. They don't replace them with another guard. If that's the case, Jared Allen. Jared Allen's been a beast since coming back from injury. I would I would go with him. Um, well, we will figure that out. Did you like and, any of the – did you like any of the all-star reserves? Like was there any uh, pleasant surprises or anywhere you like – Sabonis like, was snubbed. Yeah, that was bad. Fox was snubbed too. Uh, Sabonis was – you can't pick both of them, so I would – I. Well, the guy I'm looking at here is Paul George. 
Paul George is good, but if you look at his numbers, it's not even it's not even comparable to his best years. Like I I would not have put him in the All Star reserve. Sabonis like, was snubbed out. Just say that. Okay. But. I was glad Maxi got in. I was glad Paolo got in for their first time. Uh, Jalen Brunson, awesome. I mean, I, it wasn't a surprise that Brunson got in the All Star game. It was just a pleasant surprise. And and it's just a, it just shows how loaded the league is. Like Carl Towns barely made the Western Conference All Stars. This is made who had a sixty point game. It's it just shows how good the, the league, league is. has a lot of stars these days. But we will be back next week with all the trades, all the yeah the swapping the, the back of the benches for the back of the benches. You, you know, I'll give you you give me Johnny Davis. I'll give you James Booknight, and we'll uh, we'll see what we got next I, week. I don't know. I, I think I think there's one big move and we're not thinking about it. There's one big star out there. Who's it just takes flip. one team to fall in love with one player. And then you have all these crazy things. And like Minnesota with Gobert a few years ago. Like, where, where did that come from? That doesn't make any sense. It just I'll, just make, I'll just do the bold one right now. I think Clay Thompson is getting traded. You've already said that. Well, so. I'm saying it again. Who do you like in the Super Bowl? The referees. <laughs> Why? Because it's fixed. Are you on the NFL is fixed bandwagon too? No, I uh, Kansas. I've, I've had to deal with one dominant team so long here in New England. I could care less about, and it's just you see Kansas City again. Yeah, I don't really care about them in uh, San Francisco. But yeah, San Francisco has more talent. You got the best re- receiver, best running back, best. You got all these things. I'm it's pretty just, sure we saw this game of four years ago, and then a horrible pandemic came and ruined everything. I hope that doesn't happen again. All right, then. (laughs) (laughs) So for Andrew Rich, I am Adam Murray. Have a good one.